Welcome to the Christian Life Austin Wednesday Evening Podcast. Today, we conclude our two-part series entitled Destiny. With today's sermon entitled Destiny Week 2, There is a River, here is Pastor Rex Johnson. What a joy to see everybody tonight. Now, we're going we're gonna to instruct tonight, we're going to teach tonight, and we're going we're gonna to practice tonight. We're going to try some stuff out here tonight. We're not just going to teach and let you go home. We're going to try some stuff out here tonight. Because there's something that the Holy Ghost has been talking to me about, to talk to you about, on Wednesday night when we have a little time. We have a little time to exercise and, and get in the Spirit. And that is our ability and our strength in our worship. I, 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 just, I just believe that there's too many people observing and not worshiping. And, and listen, listen, listen. And you really don't want to do that. You want to get involved. You want to get involved. And so it's not that we're down on you. It's just the fact that we're going to try to help you tonight. Because I believe with all my heart that everybody that gets into the pearly gates is going to be a worshiper. The Bible said there was a rainbow round about the throne. The rainbow was like an emerald. Emerald is the tribal stone of the, of the tribe of Judah. Judah is the tribe of praise. There's going to be continual praise around the throne. And it's not going to be thinking praise. It's going to be verbal praise. It's going to be praise with expression. It's going to be praise that has something behind it. The fruit of our lips, the, the glory of praising God and loving God. And we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and we're talking about destiny. We're on the second part of destiny tonight, but I'm going to speak on this tonight. I'm going to speak, there is a river. (laughs) There is a river. A lot of denominations hadn't found that river, but there is a river. The streams thereof which make glad the city of God. There is a river. God has a river for the church. Now I want to. I want to. I want to. Just want to talk to you a little bit. I'm, I'm not going to be lengthy. I'm really not because I don't have that. I don't have that many pages. I just. I'm going to. I'm going to probably get off the map here a little. The concept of new isn't something we think about only once a year, New Year's. But every month is a new month, and every week is a new week. And every day is a, and every hour is a new hour. And every minute is a new minute. And every second is a new second. The Bible said in Lamentations chapter 3, it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new. Everybody say new. new. Every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, Jeremiah never had a convert. He never brought anybody to the Lord. And yet he wrote in the book of Lamentations, which was a lament, a weeping time. He was called the weeping prophet. He said, 
Your compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible is Lamentations 3 and 23. It's a good thing for all children of God to look ahead with expectation and hope. Philippians chapter 3, it's not on the board, but it says, Brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended. But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. I press. Everybody say press. Now listen, folks, I want you to hear that word. I press. The Christian walk sometimes is a press. It's not just walking twiddly dee, twiddly do, twiddly dumb. The work of God, the call of God sometimes is a press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Isaiah even declared, remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Say new thing. thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness. Watch this now. And rivers in the desert. Everybody say God is here. here. Everybody say he came to help us. Everybody say, God is interested in what troubles us. Say, we must let God help us. I must let God help me. I will do that. The focus tonight is on Ezekiel chapter 47, and you need to go home and read at least the first 12 verses. The passage contains a promise in verse 12 that there will be, listen to this, new fruit. New fruit. God is going to give us new fruit. I would like to proclaim this message for each of us and for this church. Wouldn't it be wonderful if every one of us had this promise fulfilled this year, an abundance of new fruit in our life? We're not referring to material possessions. The Word says in Luke chapter 12, verse 15, For a man's life consists not in the abundance of things which he possesses. But let's talk about new fruit Galatians 5 and 22 and 23 says, For the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Some of us need to taste some new fruit this year. Some of you have got six or seven of them working out pretty good. But when it comes to that self-control, when it comes to the law of kindness in your mouth, when it comes to being good, perhaps faithful, perhaps you lack a little love in your life, maybe joy is missing. But I I would go on record and say that a lot of us have problems with some of these. We want the power gifts. We want the power gifts. We want the gifts of the Spirit working in our life. But the Bible said there's going to be new fruit. Some of us need the fruit of the Spirit in our life. We must align ourselves for promises to be fulfilled. Everybody say D-E-S-T-I-N-Y. Everybody say destiny. Now, let me, let me talk to you a little bit. A life-giving river came from the temple in Ezekiel chapter 47 under the threshold in verse 1. The temple at Jerusalem, folks, was built upon the highest portion 
of a mountain. No natural running water at the top of the mountain. Yet the priest and the Levites needed water for their ritual cleaning prior to the service in the temple. And when King Solomon built that temple, he piped water into the temple so the brazen labor could be filled with water for the priest and for the Levites. The water that took care of temple worship came from underneath the temple within a mountain, within the mountain, within the mountain. It is at the temple, which is the place of worship, where rivers flow from within. Ezekiel talked about a river that flowed from the south side out the eastern door because everything faced east. And that river, as it began to descend downstream, got bigger and deeper and more prevalent in people's lives. And I'm going to talk about that because I believe with all my heart that some of us are living on a trickle when we should be living in waters to swim in. Some of us are living in ankle deep water and we're just kind of getting our tootsies wet. When God is saying, why don't you trust me? If you trust me enough to walk into a service and get your feet wet, why don't you trust me enough to dive in the deep water and come to where I am and get into waters to swim in? And tonight, for the next little while, we're going to talk about some things that will take us from the shallow end to the deep end because God wants all of us to experience new fruit in our life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Now, the Old Testament, here's the key principle in this. The Old Testament, the tabernacle and temple were the only places where God could be worshipped. The only places. When they started making places at other places, they were condemned. The river, the temple was a place of worship and the river was flowing where there was worship. So if the temple was a place of worship, where worship was is where the river was flowing. So let it be understood that before there can be new fruit in your life, there must first be a river. And before there can be a river in your life, there must first be worship. You've got to come to the house of God to worship. Jesus told the woman at the well in John 4, God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. God is a big S spirit. But we must worship him in little s. That is not his spirit. That's our spirit. I must worship him with my spirit and with my truth. Not capital T, little t. I must give him all I have with my spirit and with my truth. Are you with me? Clap your hands real big right now. So, Ezekiel's river in 47 of Ezekiel is symbolic of the Holy Ghost. How many of you, be honest with me now, have, has ever heard anybody preach about the Holy Ghost that has power and deliverance and strength and help for you? If you hadn't heard that, raise your hand right now. All right, good. We're in a, we're in a good place. All right, here we go. God's Spirit 
flows in at least three directions. Number one, write this down. God's spirit moves us toward a new day. Everybody say a new day. Ezekiel saw that the river flowed eastward from the temple. East is the direction of a new day. It's where the sun comes up. And when God instructed Moses to build his house, he had Moses face the tabernacle eastward. From from that point forward, every tabernacle and temple built by Israel faced eastward. It faced, listen to me, toward the rising sun. So when God's spirit moves, it always carries us away from darkness into marvelous light. Every time God's spirit moves on you, he's wanting to move you from a place of desperation to a place of glory. From a place of darkness to a place of light. The reason we entertain the presence of God in this church is because we want people to move from one station to another. We want people to receive something in their life that when they leave here, they'll leave in a better state than what they came in when they walked in the door. In fact, there is a law in the book of Ezekiel chapter 46 and verse 9. He that enters the place of worship by the way of the south gate shall leave by the way of the north gate. And if you come in by the north gate to worship, you shall leave by the way of the south gate. What he's saying is this. You never leave the same way you came when you come to worship Almighty God in the house of worship. Somebody help me preach. I'm going to preach a little bit tonight. Second thing, God's spirit, where it goes, it reaches to mankind's lowest. Everybody say the lowest. Ezekiel saw the river flow into the Dead Sea. Here's the physical geography. The Dead Sea is 15 miles from Jerusalem. The temple in Jerusalem set 2,500 feet above sea level. You got to get this. Here's the temple. The surface of the Dead Sea is 1,300 feet below typical sea level. So in a space of 15 miles, the river dropped 3,800 feet. That's a drop of over 250 feet per mile. It's moving. Remember that the surface of the Dead Sea is the lowest place on the surface of the planet. It's the lowest place in the whole world. And the river that Ezekiel saw didn't meander to the lowest place, it rushed to the lowest place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God's spirit does not meander through our lives. It rushes to the lowest point in your life. Oh, hallelujah. If you've got a problem with your temper... God's not going to meander down to your temper. He's going to go down and yank that temper out of you. If you've got problem with fidelity, God's going to get to the lowest part of your life quickly because the Holy Ghost is a director of our life. Hallelujah. When he, the spirit of truth, has come, it will lead you and guide you to all truth. And when God gets to moving in his church, he does not meander down to where your lowest need is. He gets there in a hurry because he wants to yank out that bad thing and put something good in his place. That's what the Holy Ghost wants to do 
It runs to the lowest place in your life. Wow. Hallelujah. I'm not almost finished. I'm not done. God's spirit moves quickly to mankind's depth. It rushed to Paul's temper. Oh, he had one. It rushed to Simon Peter's tempestuousness. It rushed to John Mark's fickleness. It rushed to the mixed priorities of Martha in Bethany. And it rushed to Cornelius' sincerity in Acts chapter 10. When the Holy Ghost is turned loose like a river. Some of the greatest miracles you will ever see in your life will follow the river of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The river of the Holy Ghost. I am not an emotional preacher. I do preach with passion. But I, am, I do not preach for people to respond in a, in a, in a, in a just losing their mind way. I want to preach intelligent to you. But at the same time, there's sometimes you've got to throw out stuff and say, Lord, it's just me and you and we're at Penile. And I'm a cheater. I'm a con. I'm no good. I need to wrestle with you. I'm going to get a hold of you and I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you take this cheating spirit out of me and put something new in me. I'm not going to let go until you change who I am. I wish that some of us were as hungry for the Holy Ghost in our life as we were for the drink that we used to have or the drugs we used to take or the problems we used to have. We'd run to those when they were opportunities. I'm here to tell you, the Holy Ghost is in this house right now. And if you have a need that's deep in your life, it'll rush to that need and draw you up to where you need to be in God. Nothing. Nothing like the power of the Holy Ghost. Nothing. Nothing like the power. Doctor, Dr. Taylor, I remember when I first felt the anointing of the Holy Ghost preaching. I thought I was going to lose my mind. I didn't ever want it to leave. I preached two hours that night. And somebody came up to me and said, Son, David Livingston didn't live to be 30. And you're going to die early if you don't shut up earlier. But it felt so good. Let me tell you something. There's nothing like getting under the presence of the river that flows from the house of God. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, Holy Ghost, do a work on us here tonight. Holy Ghost, do a work on us. This is our destiny. It's our destiny, it's our destiny, it's our destiny. Not only does the river flow to a new day, not only does it flow to mankind's lowest area, but it also gushes outward. Everybody say gushes outward. It's not confined in the house. It gushes outward. Ezekiel saw God's spirit flowing outward. It came out of the house. It came toward the east. It came splashing down to the Dead Sea. And Jesus, speaking of the Holy Ghost, said that from man's innermost being would flow rivers of living water. 
on the last day of the feast, he stood and cried, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me as the scripture has said. Not as some dogma has declared, but as the scripture has said. Out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit that was not yet given because he was not yet glorified. Now I'm fixing to preach right now. This was significant in, significant in Ezekiel's day. Because you see earlier Ezekiel had peered deep into the temple of his day. And what he had witnessed was ugly and vile in Ezekiel chapter 8. Read it when you get home. I don't have time to go into it. Now however he sees the temple filled with a river. What was in the temple was being carried out. The vile was being carried out. The insane was being carried out. The horrible sin factor that was in the house was being carried out. The river is a transporter of things to take it out. Now let me say something to you. When you open your mouth and you start praising God, I'm going to talk to you about how to receive the Holy Ghost tonight. I'm just going to give it to you firsthand. I'm not, going to, I'm not going to make you do it, but I'm going to give it to you firsthand. Here's how you get the Holy Ghost. First of all, you've got to start praising Him. You've got to repent first and say, Lord, forgive me for my thoughts, my actions, my words, my deeds. Wash me, forgive me. And when you feel that cleansing, when you feel that cleansing, He has saved you from your past. He has washed you from your past. And you know that you feel that cleansing. What you start doing is praising Him and see, praise is thanking him for what he has done. Anybody got anything to praise him about tonight? Anybody got anything to praise him about tonight? You praise him for what he has done. Amen. Amen. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Somebody said, Pastor, I don't, I don't like this kind of teaching because I'm not into that. Yeah, you are. It's just not, you're not into this. You're into it. Something turns you on. Something turns you on. It may be some women dancing down at a, at a bar somewhere. It may be some alcohol somewhere, but something turns you on. Something makes you say, ah. It's party time, baby. I'm telling you, you've never had a party like a Holy Ghost party. Never, never, you've never had a party like a Holy Ghost party. Never. <laughs> Sit down. Sit down a minute. Sit down a minute. <laughs> Ain't no party. Now, I want to ask you something. Do you have anything to praise him for tonight? Anything? Anything? Has he ever healed you? Has he ever given you a good job? Has he ever given you a raise? Has he ever given you a promotion? And you got promoted over that old mean guy? And now you're his boss? Oh, that's fun, ain't it? 
Have you ever married a good wife? A good husband? One that gets out of the house and works for you? Like that woman went to that psychiatrist one day and she said, I got a problem with my husband. He said, what's the problem? He said, he gets up every morning. He looks in the mirror and he goes, go get him, tiger. Go get him, go get him, go get him. And the psychiatrist said, well, honey, you ought to be thankful for a man like that. She said, but the problem is he never leaves the house. He's just getting excited about seeing himself in the mirror. Everybody say praise Praise. is calmly for the upright. I'm not far from finishing. I'm not going to work all night here for you. I'm going to let the Holy Ghost do some stuff here in a minute. But if you ever have had anything to praise God for, you need to do that. That's what you call praise. That's praise. It's saying thank you for blank. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. That's what praise is. And what praise does, it ushers you in to the presence of the Lord. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and come into his courts with praise. Hallelujah. Amen. I got you. I'm leading you somewhere here tonight. So when you praise him, you're praising him for something particular in your life. I'll tell you what, about between last May and last July, there's a lot of people had something to praise God for. I saw Alejandra tonight. I saw her and Jose. The baby was dead last year. and She's got that baby. The baby's alive, born on the first day of the year, and she's smiling real big. So you got some things to, you know, there's some stuff to praise God for. And listen, even if you can't find something that he has done, praise him for something that didn't happen to you. All your family's got a certain disease and you don't have it. All your people have been bankrupt and you've got a good job. You need to praise him for something that didn't happen in your life. You've got a lot of people that's fighting addictions in your family and you're not fighting those addictions. It didn't happen to you. You need to thank him and praise him for that. Can I get a witness? What I'm trying to tell you is that everybody on planet earth has got a reason to praise the Lord because everybody's been blessed and touched and affected by God one way or another. Clap your hands to that. That's good stuff. Now, but the Bible said, Jesus quoted it, out of his innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. What happens when you're getting close to receiving the Holy Ghost is this. You change from praise to worship. And worship is not thanking him for what he's done. Worship is praising him for who he is. And if you never get into praise, it's doubtful you'll ever get into worship. Because praise is calmly. Worship is for a select few. Because when you get into worship, you start telling him who he is. You are my God. You are my healer. You're my redeemer. I love you. Now watch it. Watch this now. When you get into worship, you're going to be like that river flowing out of the temple. There's going to be a little trickle first, 
But measure about a thousand cubits and you'll be in water to, to walk in. Measure again about another thousand, you'll be water up to your knees. And you'll feel the Holy Ghost rising up in you. Because you're in worship now. You're not in a praise mode anymore. It don't matter what so-and-so is saying beside you and what this one is talking about. You're with God and you've got this lines to God right here. And you're saying, I adore you. I love you. Look out. Water's getting up to your waist now. And before you know it, you're going to be in water to swim in and you're going to lose your footing and you're going to start sailing down the river of God and you're going to be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God's going to baptize you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. Let me say something. Let me just say something. You just, you can't come to an altar or get out in an aisle and say, hmm. <laughs> Praise has to issue forth, followed by identity. You identify who you are praising. And it becomes worship. And when you get in that place with him, when you get in that inner chamber with him, when you get in that deep water with him, it doesn't matter if you're at your house or you're in the church house. Driving your car. Be careful driving your car. That Holy Ghost be dangerous driving your car. But it doesn't matter. Wherever you are, pull over. Have yourself a time. You don't have to tell nobody if you don't want to, if you're ashamed to get it. It don't matter. It's still going to fall on you when you go to worship in Jesus Christ because he seeks such to worship him in spirit and in truth. How many of you understand that the Holy Ghost is for everybody? He said in the last days, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He said, I'll pour it out. That means you'll get the grounds, you'll get everything that makes the pouring out. He'll, you'll get the bottom of the barrel. He's going to pour it out on all flesh. The Holy Ghost is going to fall on all flesh, and it's doing it. And there's no reason why anybody in this house ought to not have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I love the fact that you have repented. I love the fact that he has saved you from sin. I love that, but you need to be filled with the Holy Ghost and fire in your life. No, you're not a second-class citizen, but there's no sense. There is no sense. And, and absolutely missing out on the greatest joy that you could ever have in your life. I'm calling it new fruit. Amen. I'm calling it new fruit. There is a joy that you need to have. There's a peace that you need to have. There's a contentment that you need to have. There's a power that you need to have. And it comes by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I don't know what to do right now. I'm so wound up. You know, it's an amazing thing. See, hell tries to make you think that the Holy Spirit is evil. And that tongues talking, tongue speaking is of the devil. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. Every good and perfect gift 
cometh from the Father of light, in whom is no variableness nor shadow of turning. This is a Lazarus generation, and I'm going to close with this. This is a Lazarus generation that we're working with right now. The millennials that are being raised right now do not understand real value about life. They don't understand what real value is. A lot of them want Brother Bernie to be president because he said, I'm a socialist. And all they know is that we want what you want to give us. Well, I'd like to tell you, I'm a spiritual socialist. I got something to give you tonight. I got something that God wants to give you tonight. It's called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. You need to vote for your pastor because I preached about something that you need in your life tonight if you have not been filled with the power of the Spirit in your life. Amen. I remember. Start say, Brother Randy, come help me. Come help me, Gerwin. Come help me. Come at me, Ann. Come on, Ann. Come on, Gerwin. Y'all come help me. Come help us. Come on. Can you give me a little music? No, I'm teasing. I don't need it. I don't need it. I had an old boy I pastored years ago in, in, in Dallas, Texas. He, uh, he was raised in a denomination that was anti-spirit. It's a great, it's a great denomination. And, and some of my best friends in high school were from that denomination. And I don't, I don't, I don't, be, I don't begrudge that. They, they're, they were wonderful guys. We all were clean when it came to alcohol and drugs. We, we were clean. They just had the same, the same principles that we had, that I had. But this old boy was raised that way, and he came to me one night. He said, Pastor, brilliant guy, brilliant guy, country brilliant, country brilliant. You wouldn't want to take him to a social party. But he had enough money to get in that party. Pastor, I got a little question on that Holy Ghost business. I said, really? He said, yeah, I do. So what's the question? He said, well, he said, I think it's not, I don't think it's for everybody. I don't think it's for everybody. I think I, I, think I got it when I was, I did this and did that. I said, well, okay, that's fine. I wasn't going to argue. I said, that's fine. You don't have to argue when you got God in your corner. He gonna... I said, that's fine. I said, I'll tell you what you do. I want you to go home before you go to bed tonight. I want you to tell God, God, if the Holy Ghost is real, do something for me. Wake me up in the middle of the night. You might not ought to pray that prayer if you're sincere. He called me at 2.30 in the morning. God woke him slap up and he sat straight up in the bed. And he said, the power of God was all over me. Folks, this is, not, this is not dumb stuff. This is Holy Ghost stuff. And he said, I, I said, what do you want, God? He said, you asked me to wake you up. <laughs> and he said, Pastor, I put my feet off the side of the bed. And that's the last I remember until I heard myself speaking in a language. Somebody said, Pastor, that, sound, that sounds outside the lines to me. It is. It is. It's not a spirit of this world. It's a spirit from another world. But God, God wants you to be baptized 
with the Holy Ghost and fire in your life. One of the miracles that started this church to rolling years ago, I've got to quit. But I could go all night tonight. One of the, one of the, one of the miracles that, that, that took place was next door when we had about 50, maybe 60 people. We'd, we had about that many people on that Sunday night. There was a woman here, the old timers, the people that were there remember this story. She was a, a, a New York call girl, and she came down here, and her husband was a, a, a sitcom writer, and, and she was a Buddha worshiper, and she was a, he and her were drug dealers. She had everything in the world wrong with her. And, and, and just absolutely gorgeous, 6'2", thin as me. <laughs> hey, guess what? The first, first day of my diet, I lost three pounds. I'm moving on, folks. I don't, no, 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 no. Just give me a little time. I'll have to jump around the shower to get wet. Just give me a little time. I'm going to get little. Now, so, so, so. She, we baptized her. We baptized her. And then one Sunday night, I, I was just preaching the subject, he that the son is set free is free indeed. And I didn't know what that indeed meant. I didn't know the Greek of it, so I just said it meant yes. I just made it up. My pastor told me when you run out of something to say, just make something up. So I made that up. Yes, because indeed sounds like a yes. And so, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here tonight. Somebody, somebody wants to start talking in tongues here in a minute. Somebody wants to get under it right here tonight. So, so, <laughs> so I walked back and she jumped out. She said, I want the spirit. I said, oh God, Jesus. You know, when people challenge you like that and you don't know if they're ready for it, it's a little scary. And it'd be a whole lot more scary here tonight than it would with 40, 50, 60 people. You understand? But, I started to lay my hand on her, and she said, before, you, you going to lay hands on me? I said, yes, I am. You're going to receive the Holy Ghost. She said, well, I want to tell you that I'm the worst you've ever laid hands on. There ain't nobody worse sinner than me. And I said, that's good, because we want people like you and better and worse and whatever to keep being filled with the Holy Ghost in our church. I said, but you'll never be touched by a power any greater than what you're fixing to feel. Yeah. Now, guess what? When the worst met the best, guess who won? God won. God won. Now, she received the Holy Ghost. We had to, I'm sorry to say it. I'm sorry because it's going to sound so funky and it's going to sound hillbilly and hickey. We had to help her out of the church. We had to help her out of the church. We went out to her place and took all her Buddha stuff down. We put it in a big old trash can and burned it. And she said, Jesus is Lord of my life. She went back to New York, went back to New York, and for over a year she sent flowers every Sunday to Christian Life Church to decorate our church because she loved. She said, this is where I found my deliverance and I found my freedom. Everybody say, there is a river. Hallelujah. That flows in the house of God. And it's called the Holy Ghost. Amen. Stand to your feet all over the house. All over the house. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. 
Thank you for listening.